0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Better Than I Found It podcast. I'm Mike McGraw, your host, and also the men's golf coach at Baylor University. Today's guest is Michael Beard, the head men's golf coach at Pepperdine University. Michael's team recently captured the school's second NCAA championship, defeating the best teams in the country in the process out at Greyhawk in Phoenix. Most media experts had said before that Pepperdine's best chance to win An NCAA title had come and gone with the cancellation of the 2020 Spring Championships due to COVID. Their great leader and best player, Saheth Thigala, had turned pro, and tradition-rich golf powers all across the country would be returning multiple super seniors due to the COVID fifth year offered by the NCAA. So, join me in listening to Michael describe his players' resolve to prove people wrong and win anyway. Michael also describes his coaching style, and things he's learned over the last 10 years. I learned a lot with this interview, and I know you'll enjoy the listening. Well, I have a very special guest today on Better Than I Found It, Michael Beard, the men's golf coach at Pepperdine and recently crowned national championship coach. Michael Beard, welcome.
1: Thanks, Coach McGraw. Uh, pleasure to be on
0: yeah this is great having you I've I've been wanting to do this and um it's been it's really timely that you uh you had a really special thing happen here recently so I'm excited to uh talk to you you know I um I was talking to coach Mikel this morning as we were kind of finishing the final preparations for this interview and he said when did you first see or meet or know about Michael Beard I said well I knew about his dad a long time ago because uh I wouldn't call him a hero of mine as a boy, but he was a player I looked up to for sure when I was 10 or 11 and 12, because he was still playing fantastic golf. And uh, But I met you at the 1998 Western Junior. And uh remember thinking, that's a good golf swing. That guy's going to be a good player. He should be in Stillwater. What the heck's he doing out there in California? <laughs> but no, I remember meeting you there. And you were a really, really good junior player. I remember that and obviously we competed a little against you for sure uh, during your college years when you played at Pepperdine um, and so I want you to talk a little bit about your experience with your teammates we're going to eventually get around to that big elephant in the room which is the national championship I want to talk about that a lot but uh, let's talk about you and kind of how you developed into what would become a coach and uh, sure. but you started out as a, as a very competitive player
1: yeah uh, well thanks Thanks again mike for having me this is uh, this is really neat for me and and get to be able to talk with you is is always um a joy of mine so um yeah i'd say so i was i was uh in, i'd say before my college career i i started my dad was a um you know like you said he looked up to well he, i really looked up to him he was my dad and 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 at that time he had played I just started on the champions tour when I was about nine and uh, and played until I was about 15 or 16 so I got to hang with him um, in the summers. Um, You know, he was the same age as jack and Trevino that 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 era, so it was really neat for me that's how I really got started. um, Like excited and then the passion that I had for the game um, was just being around these great players and and obviously my dad, so um, I think. I think I was a little bit of a late nowadays would be a late bloomer as far as, um, you know, results go, you know, I always was kind of obsessed with the game. Um, and it was never, um, I just, I just loved going to the range and playing all day and, and, and just kind of being a golf rat. And my mom actually played the LPGA tour as well. So it was really in our family. And, um, it was just kind of a part of a part of me and a part of us. So, um, then fast forward to college. I, I, um, I was deciding between USC and Pepperdine and, and, um, one of my very close, um, and now best friends now was probably my closest friend then was also looking at Pepperdine and, uh, Jason Allred, and, and we, um, kind of decided to go together and just had a blast. I mean, it was, it was something that, uh, we didn't always talk about it, but when we narrowed them down, we both really liked him. We thought it'd be pretty neat to be able to, um, you know, share that experience together. and. He was a, he was recruited much um much higher than me he won the us junior and i think you tried to snag him over there in, in well the I, I will tell
0: you that when i went to work for mike holder in the summer of 97 he he recruited that whole summer i mean he was never yeah. in so long. yeah but the very first official visit we had that fall was jason allred hmm. and i can remember driving him to the airport thinking this is such a nice guy i <laughs> wish he was coming to oklahoma state but i know he's not <laughs> i just <laughs> knew he wasn't at that point but that was my first official visit and first drive to the airport with a player
1: yeah no he was he was probably i'd say the top five juniors in that class easily um so we just had a blast i mean it was it was something that um you know i'll remember forever it was it was very much uh it we were best friends but very competitive we were actually roommates the first year and and saw each other so much and we wanted to beat each other so much, we realized it didn't. This wasn't gonna. This wasn't working out. So we actually split up. Um, but wasn't
0: good for the friendship.
1: No, it was not. Um, again, I was pretty pretty consumed by the game, and and always was. It was golf, golf, golf. So um, anyway, we we had a great little run. We went to the na- national championship twice. Um, you know, it was it was our senior year. We finished eighth, and we felt like we had a good a good shot at actually actually at uh, Ohio State but um after that we were both best men in each other's weddings and and still have a just a great friendship and um our families are, are very close as well but um yeah i mean I, I college golf for me was uh you know competitive it was it was um different not looking back on it as a, as a player now that i'm a coach looking back on it as a player uh it, it wasn't the team part was great because they were good guys, but I, we never had the feeling that we were all playing for each other. So I know that a lot of a lot of this um, now we talk about playing for each other and the team, and we didn't have that. We were really good, but um, looking back, if we had that, we we really could have done done some damage. I think you know. Did, we, you, did we, you realize that when you became a coach, or did you kind of know
0: it before that?
1: No, when we when I came came as a coach, we didn't. I didn't know that while we were there. We felt yeah. like I mean, we were really close, but we just didn't have, you know, we always looked at when we got done with a round, we always looked at what place we fin- we individually finished, you know, and so, and we were competitive with each other and all good stuff, but we just missed that little, that next step or that next um, level um, that I've seen great teams have. And and um, I've, I've tried as a coach to, um, to kind of make that more of an importance but I also know you can be really good the other way too, you know, where you just kind of compete against each other. So, um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's how it was. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it over again. I mean, I would go back to Pepperdine as well uh, again and, and, um, just had the just had a great time. I met my wife there at Pepperdine. I, I, um, I thought she was a student, but she was working in an athletic department and she was, uh, she had just graduated from Santa Barbara and she wanted to work for an NFL sport an NFL team. And, Basically, struck out, and 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 this was the next best option, and and uh, so Pepperdine will always Pepper hold. Pepperdine crush-
0: or you were the next best option. What, what was
1: <laughs> Pepperdine? <laughs> but <laughs> but it'll always hold a special place in my heart um, for that reason as well.
0: That's great. Well, you know, um, you you as most guys do that play high level competitive golf as an amateur and college player. You had a dream to play professional golf. You had a a model. Uh, right there in the house, your dad, who had done it for so many years. and you know, you mentioned your dad, and two things came to mind. One, I remember Kevin Tway when when he played for me at Oklahoma State. And you know, Bob had a really good co- uh, pro career as well. And um, I just remember the reverence Kevin used in his voice when he talked about his dad. So when you said that, I, I could I felt the same way about my dad. He never played the tour. he He played in the US Open and all that. But it's something about a dad that's really, really special. And then you got to chase the same dream that, that he lived. So.
1: Yeah, it was, it was um, maybe quite different than most parents uh, and, and uh, son, parent, dad relationship, as far as golf. Now from what I see uh, guys uh, on the junior level, even college and as a pro um, my dad um, when I, when I turned pro after, after college, you're right. It was, it was, this is what I was going to do. There was no other, like, am I, if what happens, let's see what happens. This was just, it wasn't even, we never even talked about it. And then I never felt anything different. This is just what I was going to do is, is play, um, on, on the PGA tour. And so, um, my dad never like pushed me. My dad never, um, the only thing he would say, he had this famous line when I was, um, and you, appreciate this because you you know these he, David Gossett was the number one player um in junior college he was really good or yeah anyway he was the number one player he just won the USAM and if there's any time my senior year in high school or I was just kind of sleeping in or whatever he'd come in at 6 30 in the morning he said David Gossett's out there practicing you know <laughs> you know he's out there getting better you know he would just kind of give me a hard time for that that's really the only time that he would ever kind of have any sort of um push and he let he was looking back i wish he was a little bit more um kind of had a louder voice with me as a pro because he wanted me to he wanted me to figure it out on my own and he felt like that you know he was there for me at a love at, a, at an age when i really needed him and he felt like that um as a pro he wanted me to kind of learn my own um you know lessons and mistakes now obviously i called him every time after a round and and all that, but it wasn't like he, he traveled out there with me. He rarely even saw me play as a pro. Um, it wasn't, you know, we'd play and practice together, um, you know, in the, in between, but it wasn't like I had my mom and dad out there. I don't even think, I don't even know if they saw me play in in any very many pro events. Um, so it was a little bit different than college. Sometimes I wish looking back on, I wish he had a little bit louder voice for me when I was kind of struggling, but then at the same time, I appreciate the, um, the trust in, 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 in belief that I would kind of find my way on my own. Um, he always wanted me to do it on my own. Um, cause in the desert where we grew up, my, um, my dad was one of the few guy. it was somewhat of a small town and, and it was all, all about, you know, him and he wanted me to kind of make my own way. But, um, yeah, I, I, I uh, I really, Really, that as I turned pro and 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 kind of felt like at that moment that you know what I needed to get my golf swing better um, and I needed to hit the ball better if I was going to really kind of make it or whatever whatever that means you know and I went down a rabbit hole for about six or eight months of you know trying to swing swing maybe like use my body better and and kind of biomechanic. stuff you know and it was never the way i was i I learned the game it wasn't and i kind of i lost my way and um had to kind of figure some things out along the way and by the time by the time i was six seven years in that was that was maybe three years in i had i played on the corn Ferry tour one year and i was on the canadian tour for three years um but i didn't have much success and it was i was trying to be someone that i wasn't leading up to that point, you know, and I, and I, looking back, I wish possibly that I gave it a a little bit better shot of just being who I was and maybe it wasn't, um, you know, like tight, the ball didn't fly like tiger and, you know, didn't look like all those, but I still, um, knew my way around the course and knew what knew my limitations and what I could do. And I, and I looking back on it, I wish I had a little bit more of the old school, um, way in me as I turned pro. Um, because, I mean, I'm kind of more that way as a coach now, because I kind of learned my mistake with that. And, and I never really, I never really got back to where, um, you know, the maybe, maybe, maybe the belief in myself that I, that I once had as, as a college um, player and amateur player. Um, I had, I had moments, but it wasn't like three, four years worth. So after I played for, you know, seven years, I started to teach a little bit and, and um, we had a baby on a way, my wife and I had a baby on the way and, um, about, he was about six months old when we, um, when we decided, I got a call from uh, coach guy from Pepperdine. I said, Hey, my assistant position's open. And, um, I had been, like I said, teaching and trying to play and, but still in my mind, I felt, still felt like I was going to play that the tour. It was just, I was in kind of a kind of a down, um, time. And, and I felt like, you know, my wife says, you, "Maybe you should go talk to him." And I'm like, "No way! I'm not going to be coaching. You know, I don't need to be coaching. I'm, I'm playing." You know, and and about three weeks went by, and somehow she kept kind of needling me a little bit, and I, I um, went and wanted to pay of, up, you know. <laughs> called him <them> up, yeah. <laughs> I called him up again, and then and then uh, talked to him, and he kind of convinced me you can play and coach at the same time, and so I kind of I gave it a shot for that year. And so, how long did you work for for John? Uh, John, I had, I was one year, so about three, honestly, three months into it. I had Andrew Putnam, um, who's on the, the tour now. Um, Josh Anderson, who probably should be, and, and hopefully will be soon, but we had a nice little team. We made it to the, um, national championship actually at Karsten Creek there. Mm-hmm. Um, in oh uh, I don't know what year would that have been. That would have been 2010 or 11, 11, uh, 11, 11. Yeah. And, um, so, but I had a great group of guys and about three months into it. Mike, I was just like, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I, I had spent so much time kind of working on myself and trying to get better, get myself better. And then all of a sudden it shifted to these nine other guys. And it was like, um, just, a, it was just so, you know, fulfilling. And so, um, I was with John for a year and then I went to Arizona state when Tim Mickelson got the, uh, the head job there at Arizona state in um that would have been 2011 maybe summer of 11 and uh so i was with tim we started well was it was awesome i mean with with pepperdine i felt like the golf part was always something that um i was comfortable with you know trying to help someone trying to make them better and and understanding the guys and the people part that was something that was easy for me um but when I went to, when I went to Arizona State, I learned more of the, um, if there is such a thing, like the business side of it, you know, the, I mean, I call it business, that's not really even right, but more like the scholarships and understanding, like putting a team together and and how like, you know. That's in bolts. Yeah, the nuts and bolts of it, you know, yeah. like when I was at Pepperdine, I just had the, more the developing, I just kind of was me and I can kind of enjoy that part. And then when I got to ASU, Tim, we basically had to rebuild it. I think we were 80th um, that first year. So for in an ASU, that's you know pretty terrible. You know, I don't think they ever are outside the top 25. So there was pressure. There was, I mean, it was neat. It was really neat for me. It was a lot of work, um, but uh, Tim helped me see what hard work was. What in coaching hard work was. I knew what it was in golf, but I didn't know what the coaching um, what that looked like. Coaching. So uh, I remember
0: when I, I've walked several fairways recruiting with you and maybe at a couple tournaments. And I remember being in an airport with you and Tim, and it's the first time you got to witness me eat ice cream. Yeah. And I think you were a little scarred by that experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You took down like, I don't know, two, two, three scoops ice cream with, in a matter of maybe like 12 seconds. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, Well, I was trying to, I was trying to intimidate you. How would I do? You did. You did. Yeah. I didn't, I thought you were from another planet. I mean, that (laughs) was, that was unreal.
0: Well, but the truth is I was, um, I I was picking your brain and you didn't know it at the time, but I was, um, I knew you had the heart to be a coach. Hmm. And I also knew you had the work ethic, but I didn't know if you, um, I didn't know if it was something you absolutely wanted to do, but Hmm. I could tell you had a heart for human beings. And Hmm. I thought, Man, this guy—if this is really what he wants to do, this is going to be good. And I really believe—I'm not just saying that today. I said that after that first time we spent some time together, and um, so it was kind of gratifying when I saw that you got the head coaching job in in January of 2013. I thought that was great.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect it happening. I mean, it was—it was kind of out of out of out of nowhere. Um, I had committed to being with Tim for um, for the three or four years. And, and, then this opened up and the AD called me and he said, Hey, would you, would you consider coming, coming back to Pepperdine? And it was, I felt terrible. It was mid-year, um, John Rom was on the team, Max Rotliff, Matias Schulberg, Alberto Sanchez, some really good guys. I mean, really, really good guys. And it was, it was really hard for me. Um, but an opportunity like that at own water, I couldn't pass up. And I, I want to ask
0: about that. What's that mean? Uh, you know, uh, Mike Holder, coached to his alma mater, Alan yeah. Bratton is doing it now. Uh, I've known several uh, coaches in different sports too that get to come back and coach their alma mater. That's that's got to be something really special.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, like when I, um, or a couple components to it. When I first um, started, came as a player, I felt Alred and I really felt like we could be great. We could be. They had just won the national championship a year before, two years before, or a year and a half before and uh we just felt like gosh we could be great we could be number one and uh we never quite put it together when we were played and then i and then when i came back um i think it, my experience there was so uh, memorable and so um significant to me that it made it even more special to come back and kind of do it all all over again in a way and um now I had a chance to really kind of live that out again, like, like to be great, you know, how, how kind of had this vision or this um, picture of what it could be. And it's like, not now you get to try it again. And that, and I think that's what was uh, most exciting.
0: Okay, so that that's really special. that You said that I like the way you said that. But um, now I'm going to get into some, some philosophy, I want to know, and you know, I, I don't expect you to tell every secret you've ever learned in coaching, but you and I both know everything you and I know, we learn from somebody else anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to know what your strategy was with recruiting, with culture of the program, you know, what your strategies were to kind of get this thing, you know, because a lot of people have rebuilds and that's sort of where you were, a little bit of a rebuild. Yeah. And uh, were there any uncertainties? Like, were you really scared of something? Was something bothering you? Any of that? Yeah,
1: yeah um yeah the the great the great thing again going back to my who i was as a as a player i would get probably overly obsessive overly like consumed with how to get better and um when i started here i had uh carl smith who was um was our was going to be the assistant who was who was assistant before me but um i kind of I had someone to obsess and, and, and do that with, you know, he went to Pepperdine and we both felt the same thing. We could be great. So, um, I mean, we, we just, you know, would dream and talk and dream and try to pick out guys that would be good fits and you know, all that. And, and so it was great to have someone that was on the same level of, um, level as far as what saw the same vision. So that, that was one thing. So, um, then when we started to, we were ranked 155th when we started, Carl always remembers. He's like, we were 155 when we started. And so, cause every year we get a little bit better. He's like, Michael, we're 80, you know, Hey, we're getting better. We're 70, you know, and, yeah. and uh, it was something that we took pride in, but the, for us, the school itself, I mean, I can't take, I can't take, um, or Carl, we can take the, all the credit. I mean, the, the school itself has a way of um, attracting a certain type of, um, family and recruit. So, um, and I say that just because we're just, we don't have football, you know, it's, it's different. It's not like, it's not like the, it's not like USC. It's not like UCLA, you know, that's just different. And I just say those schools cause they're close, but it's obviously not even close to Oklahoma state and any of those, it's just different. And so when we found for us, I started the first year and a half or so we went, hard after Colin Morikawa, Gordon Neal, these kids, these kids, these kids were like top 10 players. Um, and we just got shut down. I mean, we just got, it was, we spent almost a year and a half of our life just, you know, going out and, 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 and trying to get these kids and And it was, um, we kept getting the, Hey, I like you guys, I like school, but you just don't have any good players, you know? And, and uh, it was, what they were, you know, that's, that's what we kept hearing. So what I'm trying to say is, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily a secret, but I, I think that, um, for me, um, there's a certain type of player I connect with. And I think I naturally probably, um, didn't know it, but I, re- I kind of recruited that way. Um, and, my wife and kids are coming home.
0: That's okay. Um, You've got a family. It's good. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, so. Uh,
0: yeah. You were recruiting guys that fit your personality. Yeah, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. But then I realized that um, I couldn't have a team full of those guys. You know, that's not going to work. I can't, right. they have got to have, That it turned into, I got to make sure we have the right dynamic. You know, we can't have a team full of probably more quiet, reserved, introvert, a hard worker, you know, that kind of thing. It just wouldn't, I mean, they'd be probably great to coach, but it just wouldn't work as a group. So um, you know, we started once we felt like we had one or two of those, we looked, maybe looked for someone that was um maybe a little bit different, you know, maybe maybe an extrovert, maybe someone that a, a cocky extrovert that, you know, could could add something, you know, else to the to the group. So, but that's what we were thinking. But then all of a sudden we realized, what are we doing? We don't have. It's not like we can just pick and choose here, you know, like we're getting rejected left and right, you know, and and uh um Sawheth was the first, um, one of the first ones that really kind of saw like this, this could be, this could be kind of cool here. And and he was the first one, and then his friend Roy Coots kind of came along. And so as far as the recruiting goes, at first, we were just trying to get decent players that kind of fit um the school that we felt like we could connect with. Because if they had if they had kind of talent at all, we felt like we had a chance with helping them. Mm -hmm. And so um, but they had to fit with the school, too. Um, So that was the start. Then, as we got a little bit better, we could um, possibly be a little bit more selective. But but to be honest, Mike, we we had a lot of kids that the other that the UCLA and and USC's didn't want. Um, And I don't say that like. You know they just they had other guys that were maybe a little bit ahead of them. They were probably be if you were to grade them, be recruits, you know. But then what we had was the cool thing was we had these guys all felt comfortable with each other. So um even though they weren't like superstars as juniors, um, they all had respect for each other and they all could be be themselves. And I think they were comfortable. Um, you know, we had this core group of guys with with Saheth and Roy. And, and then Clay Fiegler and Josh McCarthy, and those were our four guys that kind of. And then we built the out the outside around. Them. You know, we had the, you know, the other guys. We try to get a one here and t- there to kind of challenge them a little bit. But those four guys kind of felt like, hey, this is this is our team, and um, they took pride in that. And which is that's that's one of the things that we, I've, I've tried to do um, a lot is is I want them to take ownership in it. This isn't my team.
0: I actually love that idea, and I love that thought. And I think so. You had to start with what on the surface looked like B players or B yeah. plus players. Yeah, yeah. A, a B plus player with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and some good team chemistry. He's yeah. all of a sudden an A player a few years later. That's yeah. just the way it works. So yeah. you um, and, and and a positive chip on the shoulder. I'm not talking about yeah. something that's negative. So obviously, those guys took ownership of it. I mean, that's that's an amazing thing when that happens
1: yeah no it it was neat to see that they just take they had pride in in what we were doing they were interested in recruits they were interested in you know like i had them help pick the schedule that we were going to play in you know i had them um i'd go to them on on um pretty much every decision we had if they knew them i wanted them in on it you know i wanted them to feel a part of it so um then we were all kind of doing it together you know it wasn't like mean Carl has like dictators telling them what to do we were all doing it together
0: that that's really good i i love that uh, so you kind of that's how you, what you did in recruiting i sort of think that leads right into the culture part of it because these kids kind of created the culture that you saw or is is that something that it happened that way
1: um yeah i mean i would say i'm i'm a little bit more um, individual I think I'm a little bit better with like a one-on-one, you know, I'm not going to sit in a group of a team, you know, we're gonna have eight guys and I'm going to give a huge, you know, like rah-rah speech and they're going to come out like feeling like if they can run through a brick wall, that's not my style. I'm not gifted that way at all. I mean, I, I, um, I haven't even really tried, but, but I just know that that's not my, that's not me. So what I've, um, kind of the way I went around, it was just more of an, on an individual, um, or small group, like maybe I would have Roy and, or I would have uh, Sahith and Clay, and we'd have a little kind of get together and talk about, you know, the team. Hey guys, I need some help here with this. I need, you know, what do you guys think of this? Hey, he's struggling. What do you, what, you know, kind of like that? Um, again, to kind of loop them in. But I'd say the culture um, began. This is this is all. This is what I've always thought and I and I learned this from my dad um, when I was when I was young. My dad gave had two questions for me when I got off the golf course. He said, Um, what'd you learn? And did you have fun? Those are the two things. And it was never about what you shot. And so um I kind of took that a little bit, you know, further is what what I felt like I wasn't gonna get, he wasn't gonna look at me any different if I shot 80 or set or 65. And so um, with so much of the juniors that you know, golf is that way. It's hard. You love, you know, you love your kids and, um, it's hard not to, you know, be that way, um, or be the other way, but I've tried to take that into our team. And, um, you know, I, 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 I've, if I can get to them where they know that, that they're loved and they can, they can trust me first, then the golf part's easy. You know, then I can go to Clay and say, Clay, you're driving it like a turd we got to figure this out, you know, like what the heck you're hitting snap hook after snap hook. And then he knows I'm not attacking him, you know? So then he, then he because he knows I already, I, I'm already got, I'm on his side, you know, I'm on his side. This isn't like a, this isn't going to hurt his like self-image or, you know, or so now we're just talking golf. We're just talking like, we've got two guys working on trying to get better at golf, you know? Yeah. And, that, and so that's how, when I say individual, that's how I've, um, kind of approached it. And now you get guys that, that, um, all these guys know that these two coaches are all in with them. You know, there's no, there's nothing to be, there's no, there's no things they have to prove or there's no insecurities, you know, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, we're all together doing this thing. And, and, um, that, that impacted our chemistry because I think they know that no matter what, we really do care about them.
0: Yeah. That's a, uh, a very, great form of leadership right there in my opinion to sort of take your hands off the steering wheel and let the players kind of create a little bit of that and and uh, you trust them they feel that and then the fact that you've um, you've allowed them to um, I don't know be who they are and you're who you are you are very authentic if if you got up there and tried to give one of those speeches I think they just laugh because I know (laughs) so uh, you're just a more calm even keel guy than that and so I think your culture is there. And I think the guys on this team that graduated and have gone on, the, the, you know, the, of that core group you talked about, um, I think kids, your younger kids can look up to that. That's great. Um, I asked a question earlier. We didn't get to. I want to get to it. Okay. Insecurities, uncertainties, things that you uh, or, or after oh. eight years now, is there anything you've gone like, oh, man, that was harder than I thought it would be or anything that surprised you that way? Uh, or that you're uncertain about.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, it's easy for me right now to be what's fresh in my mind, which is, which is this year. Um, but maybe we, are Are you referring to re, re, like recruiting or actually? Um, just like- coaching.
0: You're just coaching. being a head coach. You know, just. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. So when I first started. Um, I don't know if i was ready to be a head coach i don't know i mean it was i was two and a half years in basically and now i'm going to be a head coach i mean i don't i so i had guys that i would call you were one of them um tim mickelson was one and and because as an assistant you think you're making decisions right but you always have that head coach as backup you know i could i could come and say tim this is what this guy we're going to get this guy and this is why and um but then you kind of take that safety net away and now you're making the decisions it's almost like you uh not that you question you just want to make sure it's the right one so i mean there was multiple times i or or a qualifying situation or like how do we you know how do you do this how do you that and um so tim was one you were one um ryan hibble was one where i could um you know just kind of pick your guys brain and a lot of it is is was on recruiting and, and, and and whatnot but the um, a specific situation, um, I'd say, well, just like I said, this year, uh, I just remember multiple times where I was trying to, there were a couple of guys that uh, maybe weren't at the level of what we were um, trying to do when we first started. And that was the hardest thing for me, you know, like I really cared about these guys, but it just wasn't, they weren't going to help us um, get where we need to go. And, and that was, that was hard. Um, um, but this year would probably, was probably the most difficult year. For us. Um, I doubted. Well, I shouldn't say doubt, just it was this process of trying to figure out who was gonna play. How do you make it fair where, you know, um, you want them to earn it, but it needs to be, you know, trying to make it fair, trying to make it um where we will we bring the best team. I mean, that was something that wore on me, wore on Blaine, and and um, and we had Chris Zambry this year as well. And that was something that um constantly, you know, I I I have a hard time making decisions anyway. And now you get in and and you get this. There's so many different ways everyone could have a case on why they they should be playing or or uh, and all that. And it was just it was just hard. It was hard all year.
0: Well, yeah. and I think uh, how old are you now? Forty one. Yeah, you're forty one. Let's say you're going to coach another twenty five years, maybe that'd be a mm-hmm. nice goal. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have that feeling a lot. It's going to yeah. happen because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and you want to be fair to everybody. But yeah. you've got to do what's best for the team. It's a hard. Uh, it's a juggling act. It's not always that easy. So that looks like that's maybe one of the harder things you've had to deal with.
1: I will, I, I, for sure. I will say going back real quick, uh, a funny story is, um, when we had Saheth uh, his first tournament. So this was, this was actually one that he he was, this would have been my second year, uh, second full year coaching. And we get this kid, he comes in, we have a qualifier and, um, he finishes sixth in the qualifier yeah. and we all know he's like the best player coming in. And I go to my assistant at the time, I said, are we really not going to take side to the first tournament? I mean, are we really not going to do this? And we decided we're not, we weren't going to take him. We, so we, he skipped it. He didn't make the first tournament at uh, which was Minnesota's event. And we go in there and I think we, um, I think we laid an egg. We didn't play quite well. <laughs> and, then, and then we, uh, We get out to the next tournament, which is Wake Forest event, and he qualified for that one. And um, it was kind of surprising for him. I mean, it was it was surprising for him to like, I got to go qualify, you know, like he knew he was the best player. And I he he didn't come in arrogant at all. It was just like he didn't like play in tournament. I'm going to go play, you know, I don't qualify. And so that shocked him a little bit. And then we go to we go to Wake and he's our five guy. And we don't we haven't even seen him play in a tournament yet with us. So we don't know what's gonna happen today here. Yeah, this morning. So we get out there and he won't eat He can't eat breakfast. Okay. He's our five guy. He can't eat breakfast. He's just like big old plate of food, didn't eat anything. So then he just leaves. He goes to the range, starts warming up. And um he's lit- he's like literally shaking balls in the range before he goes. Okay. And um to the point where some of the coaches were watching is like, ooh, this guy's gonna have a tough day, kind of thing. (laughs) So then Armin goes out and starts watching him and our our assistant at the time, uh, my assistant at the time, and he's like, Michael saw us in a bad way right now. He's like, he's gotta be nervous. He just, he can't hit the club face. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna come out, check this out. So he stopped, he was done hitting balls and now he's on the chipping green and he's like taking, like chunking chips, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is gonna happen here? So we get on this first hole. And he's the first one, like as our five guys, our first one, and he's doing all these like stretches, he's doing these weird hit moves, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And it's a hole where, um, where you can hit a driver down this little neck, it's a par five, or you can lay back with a hybrid or something. And he's got iron out, you know, I'm thinking he can barely even, he's afraid, you know, so nervous, hasn't eaten all this kind of stuff. So he's swinging left-handed, trying to loosen up his body. And he goes out, he pulls out iron and then he calls his they call his name okay first one offside Thegala puts the iron away pulls driver out and places like 15 yard cut right in this little neck of the fairway and has six iron out in the green and, and makes birdie <laughs> <laughs> so here we got here we are like all worked up about, you know, here's this, here's our guy that we recruited. Can he even handle the pressure? You know, all this kind of stuff. And then he just said You know, he's later. my new
0: favorite player because he was doing that to stress you out. That's yes. why he was doing that. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I, I get it. I've seen that too. And you think, how can this kid play well today? And boom, there it is.
1: Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I ended up being the number one player in college, senior year.
0: So uh, I was gonna ask these questions now, but I think I'm going to I'm gonna hold those off for later. Okay. So we get you kind of that core group, and you you guys build a synergy, you have a culture, you guys are moving on, and, and we we know you had, if not the best team, one of the best teams in the country last year, and then COVID hit, and that story's been told many, many times, so we don't yeah. have to tell it, but you didn't get to finish the deal. And Saheth turns pro, and so he's going to be a professional, yeah. so on the surface, it looks like your time has come and gone, and that's what the uh, media was saying you know oh that was that was a great run you know yeah good luck so I want to know truly what you did as a coach to get those guys to understand those people don't believe in you but we believe in us or something like that surely yeah something
1: yeah the first the first um well first you have to know that our all our guys are All of them are extremely competitive somehow we lucked out this this year, we had nine guys, and they just could not stand to lose. And so the first meeting we had the first meeting of the year we had. um, That's exactly what I said, I said everyone has already written us off as last year was our year, I mean I said you wouldn't believe the coaches talk that you know that i've talked to that says man I, they felt so sorry for us because we had our one chance and it was last year and and i built it up a little bit more than that you know just kind That's of said job. you know they you wouldn't believe the stuff they're talking about us you know that kind of stuff and um you know a, a couple of them like what you know like wanted me to repeat it you know and it was like wait say that again you know <laughs> and then so then we start talking about how we felt like we were better than we were last year and um certain players i kind of went you know went in and kind of shared with certain players and why they, i thought they were better and then and then um you know they kind of left that day thinking like this is time for us to prove it this year is is that we don't because I, I think i said something like everyone thought that we kind of basically rode our one player our horse mm-hmm. and um and he's gone now and basically that's been the talk is like well you know you were good because you had that one guy so um you know, somehow that registered with them. I mean, I I don't want to say that it was a daily thing. We said, Hey, you know, this, you should have heard this guy, but it was somehow that registered. What, what really happened in my opinion was now we, we lose our leader. Okay. And we have, um, no, everyone's looking around who's going to be the next guy. And I think, um, at the beginning, you know, they might've felt like, you know, Mao had a William Mao had a first he was a first team all American as a freshman and maybe expected or assumed that he that that would happen um and then Dylan Bill Dylan Bill uh Menante tied for first in our first tournament and they're like whoa you know and now they're thinking well wait a minute here and then we had another Josh McCarthy also tied they both tied in you know, for our first tournament and they're in a playoff so now all of a sudden they're thinking Mao's going to go out there and win by 10 and be our guy and now they're looking around and saying wait a minute maybe Dylan, maybe Josh. And the other guy's like, wait a minute, I can be the guy, you know? So everyone starts being the guy trying to be the guy. And they just keep going at each other, at each other. At the same time, we don't have a leader personality wise. We didn't have a leader this year. It wasn't, saith was our leader. Soth was the guy, you're at a dinner table and we get done with a round. And there were certain things that were never said when Soth was around, because he would probably give you a look and like, somehow like a look that says, Are you stupid? Are you an idiot? You know, like what the heck? Winners don't talk like that, you know. So like everyone just kind of without even knowing it. It was all, you know, without even knowing it, just um kind of and certain things kind of didn't just didn't talk about their players and stuff like that. Well, now we have that. There's no senior, there's no like at least at the beginning, didn't feel like we had that leader. So What happened was we have that mix of we have to prove that, hey, we're just as good as we were last year, if not better. And then you have individually, the guys are all trying to beat each other and no one has stepped up um, really yet. And what happened was Dylan stepped up and I think everyone was kind of like, wait a minute, I can beat Dylan. You know, I can. And then they started to keep going and going and going. Um, Looking back, I think Dylan was our number one player this year. Um, And and, and I, I think that was part of it. Mike, actually, a lot of it is just that we didn't have one guy. Every, every week it could have been either one of the five guys.
0: You know, some people would say, well, that was the players who did it. Who cares? You yeah. know, that's what you want as a coach is for those players to take ownership totally. of the team. And they totally. did it. And, oh, by the way, you still get some credit for it because you recruited every one of those players. Yeah. So, you know, it's great when it all comes together like that. It's it's not – I mean, that doesn't have to happen. It's not like that's a given. Uh, and it did happen for you guys this year, and that's special.
1: No, and and that's just to add on to it. We were monitoring the whole thing. You know, it wasn't like we were just. We could see it happening, and and, and if it got out of line, or if it wasn't the way we wanted it, then we were going to kind of somehow find a way to. Um, and I'm not talking about who's playing. I'm talking about the competitiveness and the edge. You know, to make sure we still had it. You know, we we always kind of gave them little jabs here and there to remind them, um, that they're good, but they're not that good, you know?
0: <laughs> you no, know, I mean, it, whatever you did a combination of, yeah, the media did say that is you may have yeah. embellished it a little bit, yeah, yeah, but the truth is that was being said, you know, yeah. that was their year. And it's a shame yeah. because, you know, and, uh, but the two of you, you and Blaine, and by the way, you hit the lottery with Blaine amazing but coach.
1: It, yeah. He's the man.
0: Yeah, he is the man. Um, but, uh it's, it's great when it all comes together. That doesn't always happen. And so really happy for you that it did. And so now that brings us to the national championship. Let's talk a little bit about that week. We don't have to do all the details. But yeah. one detail that kind of struck out to me was Joe Highsmith, who played very well in match play, was not even in the lineup coming into the tournament. So explain that. And I know you, you already said earlier you had nine competitive players. Yeah. So that's a rough deal. That was probably pretty tough to pick the team.
1: Yeah, pretty much kind of capped off our whole our whole year what happened at at nationals was basically our whole year um in in one week um so we had another um well yeah we'll just start with the six that we had so so at regionals um dylan had his uh worst tournament of of the year uh he 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 played poorly and then joe as well Uh, i think joe finished 35th or so or 37th and that was his worst term of the year so it shows you how good a year he had you know i mean it wasn't <laughs> what happened a bad year and so he had just won at Tiempo, um i don't know four or five weeks earlier but so on on tv and anyway so now we um we have about, we have some time in between. We make, we barely get through regional. We, we, we basically finished fourth and, um, maybe made it by six or eight or nine shots, but it felt like very close. And so we, uh, we get home and we watched Dylan and Joe play and Joe didn't have his stuff the last two days and Dylan never really, you know, he was struggling the whole tournament, but he had such a good year. Um, he really, um, you know, it was hard to, hard to to really give it a ton of weight, but we felt like, you know what, why don't we put basically our number one and two player, Joe, Dylan was our number one and Joe's our number two and um, for most of the, the, the spring there. And then why don't we put them in a in a little two rounder, little two round, whatever we want to quali- call it, qualifier evaluation, just two round receive some scores. Just with RJ, RJ who's been our sixth guy so who had been playing really nice at home, I mean, basically averaging 67. So, um, let's just put them in a two rounder. We played Sherwood and Riviera. So there's like two good courses, you know, we're not, it's not, you can't really fake it on either one of them. So, um, so what happened was, uh, Joe and Dylan tied and, uh, they shot like one or two over for the two days and RJ shot like, like nine under 10 under beat him by 11. I think it beat him by 11. I think shot nine under, beat him and they were two of them. So, um, to us, we looked at it as regardless, this is, we're going to take these six guys and we're going to play six guys. So we feel like within our little group, we had the best six guys in the country. That's what we felt like. So why don't we use that for, as an advantage? So, um, RJ had literally been shooting 67s and, um, he came out and and so so we ended up telling Joe that the we we it was a really hard decision. Um, but we ended up telling Joe, uh, we played Dylan and told Joe like the, the morning of the practice round. We didn't even know until the morning of the practice round because we had just finished this qualifier like on a Tuesday and or or maybe a month, uh, yeah, Tuesday, and we left Wednesday for the tournament. So um the Thursday morning, we decided, okay, um, Dylan's gonna play, RJ's gonna play the first round and Joe the first round you're not going to play, and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, I mean me and Blaine and Joe were sitting there together, we just had it, it was a tough, tough deal for us and for Joe, um, I mean he just won a tournament four weeks ago, you know, and so um, we were, we, I said Joe, you have to trust me on this, you're going to help us win the national championship this week, you're going to help us win, and he's not hearing that stuff all he hears. I'm not playing, you know, so, um, so we, we talked about 30 minutes and, and, and kind of went off our deal deal. Did our practice round. Joe was awesome in the practice round. He was engaged. It was great. I mean, I was so proud of how we handled it. Um, we do our practice round, we go out first round and we tell all the guys, Hey, this is what we're doing. Playing six. We're going to monitor as we play, as we go, how we got, how we're going to, you know, um, just look at the scores as we go. And, um, but just go play your heart out. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get this thing the best best run we have got. And so RJ plays he plays poorly the first day. Um hit hit some desert balls and 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 unplayables and didn't have his game that he had um the two weeks that we've been watching leading up, leading up to it. Um, because he had already shot 13 under two weeks before that at home. So um so he shot, I think he shot six over, and I said, Joe you're you're in. Okay. So Joe comes in and um and he shoots 72 I think but played nicely and then um and then again I could feel the tense I can feel there's some like it's 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 just tense with the guys and I still like probably a little bit of am I going to get pulled pulled out and I mean do I I mean I have to what do I have to shoot to stay in but this is this was our whole year this wasn't just this week this was something that they were used to at home all the time i mean it was our qualifying was more you know more competitive and like they were on tilt the whole time more than the tournaments you know and so this was really not that you know crazy for them to to be this way now the fact that it's a national championship and have to do it you know that makes it a little tougher but it wasn't like this is the first time they've had to do that so uh we get out there and, and Joe shoots 78 the first, so it's really tense. You know, I could just feel it was like we're not playing together as a team and with Joe shoot 78 the first, the third round. And, um, and, and we had a little talk and, and, uh, we had a three hour conversation that afternoon, uh, myself and Joe, and then we went out to the putting green at eight thirty at night at Greyhawk in the yeah. dark. And we went out there for, um, 45 minutes and just talked about life, golf, putting, everything. It just, and Clay went with us and it was, it was actually going being like an hour. And, um, we played Joe the next day and that was the, that was the moment I felt like that the guys said, okay, this is, this is our five. Now let's, now let's go. We're going to play as, as a group and we're going to go, you know, cause, cause they're probably thinking, well, is, is RJ going to go back in? Is it, you know, like still up in the air? And I think there was this sense of like, okay, this is our team let's go, you know, and we had a talk with them that morning. um, Just talking about playing for each other, because the whole year it had been fighting against each other. And now we're at the last tournament, and they kind of were doing it the first three days, and then we get the morning of the final round of the fourth round. And we talk okay let's switch it now we're playing for each other. This is all we got Clay's a fifth year senior you guys we gotta let it all lay it all out there. and, and just give everything you got. And then from then on, and we shot we shot um nine under, actually we shot ten under, but Mouse signed this wrong scorecard. We shot nine under. And uh and I think they felt like and we had a heck of a round and um I, I think they felt like it was it was time to time to do some damage after that we just kind of rode that momentum but um yeah Yeah, that's the story at nationals but that was that's basically how our season went all year
0: (laughs) well and what makes that interesting is it wasn't something out of the norm it was something this team had experienced all year long yeah you know fighting for your spot fighting for your spot when it came right down to it team meant more to them we got to be a team and when i (laughs) saw that nine under you guys posted uh i was like oh my gosh that team's ready to play some good and yeah. You know, we could go the detail by detail by detail. Yeah, I didn't mean to
1: get too far. no no
0: no no I, I wanted that detail because I knew that, that had been there'd been some consternation. I knew it wasn't perfect. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't. And uh but the match play looked pretty perfect to me. You guys <laughs> really played well during the match play. And and you know, what a couple things struck me. One, I knew Ryan Hibble had been a mentor for you mm. uh when you were a young head coach. Yeah. And uh And so I thought that was really special that he came up to you after the, after the match. And um, I think what you guys did with and for Chris Zambri and what he did for you guys this year is one of the most special things Hmm. in college golf in a long time. Um, Just really, really cool. Uh, Chris is a great guy and I just want you to know you're a rock star uh, for giving him that opportunity. And he's a rock star for, for the way he handled it. It was just an amazing, amazing year. So, hats off to you guys.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Both of those were, uh, was really, really special that the Chris, um, yeah, he's a, uh, close friend and, and it's actually today is, is his daughter's birthday. Okay. So, um, she would have been 18 today and, um, you know, Chris and I've always been, Fairly close, but we kind of reached a new level with with um, with the accident. And um, he's a we just care so much for their family, you know, um, and him and his wife Kim. And um, you know, when he didn't get rehired at USC, we talked. Um, I, I reached out to him. I said, "Hey, I don't know how you're going to take this, but um, I don't know what you're doing until you get it. Until you get something." I'd love for you to come on board as, as our volunteer. And and I, like I said, I didn't know if he'd be like, I don't know how he'd react. And he, mm-hmm. he reacted with, are you kidding me? I would love to let's go. You know, And so he was all in with it. Every practice we could have, or he could make, he was there. I mean, it felt like he was there four days a week. It probably wasn't, it was probably, you know, some days were two days a week, but, um, he helped us so much with. You know, Zambri's probably a little extri- little on one side. I'm on the other side, and Blaine's probably right in the middle. And I felt like we had a good, uh, a really special kind of combo uh, <clears throat> of coaches when it was making decisions to helping the guys. You know, um, some guys connected with Chris. Some guys didn't. Some guys correct, connected more with Chris than, you know, than me. And, and and a lot of stuff that we did this year, just kind of the, 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 the technical part is it would be more like, There, Um, We did some of these tests that he always does that he's made up at USC. He's really helped with our putting um, and just to not go into too much detail other than that, that our guys have a much more, um, much bigger awareness of speed. And the faster that we played, the faster the greens got, um, you know, we hung in there. And and I'm not even saying not even just at, at the finals, but other courses, you know, when we played fast greens, it was, it was now the whole year they would have them, he would have them basically keep their stats, but not strokes gain. It would be strokes gain putting, but, but mostly it would be speed. He had a way to to calculate the speed. And every time he would just hammer the guys, I need your, I need your putting, need your putting, need your putting. And he would calculate the the speed every round we played, not just tournaments practice, you know, like qualifying every round. So they got in a habit where they had to think about speed. And I think it, it had to, I mean, it had to have um, even if it helped one of our guys, one shot, it was worth it. But, it, but I know it was way more than that. Um, but you know, Chris, I called him, I said, Hey, I want you to come to, to regionals with us. And he's like, cause he hadn't really gone to a tournament and he said, okay. And then he got there and he, again, he was all in with it. You know, he's for watching, following our guys. Then we get to finals. I said, you're coming to finals. He said, yeah. I said, we got to get Kim to come too. So his wife flew over with my wife and Blaine's wife. Um, on Friday morning, Chris went over with the team with us and, um, I can't even tell you what he, how he helped Blaine, um, Blaine and I, it it was, it was, uh, we got done after the fourth round and we had like four holes left. He said, Hey, we're playing for Florida state. We got to get ready for the, for the matchups. I said, Chris, I'm not ready to do this. I, I, my head's not there. I mean, I'm not even, we've never even made match play, you know, here we are. I mean, I'm trying to wrap my head around us even getting in the final eight. And I, and he's, I said, can you go work on that please? And, and he runs, he's like, I got it. So he went in and he had like 30 minutes and he's looking at the, <laughs> he's work, he's working, looking at all the other players, Matt, you know, kind of like personalities and kind of what kind of players they are and coming up with all these algorithms on who should play with who. And we get in, after we're celebrating, we get to match play and we get in and we got like 15 minutes to pick this, to get ready for this. And I, the only other time I had experience doing this was at East Lake Cup. And I, um, you know, it, it was new to me then. And even now, now we're doing it for, for the, the real deal here. And it was awesome to have Chris and, you know, we had a little system on how we did it and how we, we, um, we went for, we were, we luckily, luckily we were always the higher seat. So we got to put up first, um, And we did that all three times. But every time I had a little sheet that we were looking at where Chris had gone back and done all this research on each guy and how how it would work. And it was just so neat to have that. And so like behind the scenes that no one would ever know, really, you know, like he was he was he was awesome. He was awesome. And it it was like he was coaching. It wasn't he was a volunteer, you know.
0: Last fall at the Big 12 Match Play Championship, my assistant Mikkel did the same thing. And I just stepped aside. Yeah, because we had tried it. One way, uh, Ryan Black and I had, you know, a different way, but basically our way. And Kel said he had an idea and I let him do it and it was brilliant. And it it just shows you sometimes if a really good, strong quality of a head coach Mm -hmm. is to be humble enough to say, "Okay, you've got a great idea. We're using it.
1: Yeah, I think that's
0: what you did with Chris and you gave him the respect of being a coach for he had been a coach for 15 years and honestly been one of the most successful coaches in the country and um i just i applaud you for doing that and you know you you used his best qualities to help make your team better
1: Uh, we had a special year and 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 he he was um he was huge in that and and blaine too i mean here comes blaine blaine's been we've been doing this together for three years now and now what we're going to bring in a a coach that has more experience than both of us combined you know how is this going to go over you know like people on the outside may say well chris is going to come in and take over and you know you know and and i don't know it wasn't no one had any egos and and we we enjoyed just trying to make our guys better and and they think everyone could kind of voice their opinion and someone and i could say you know what i don't like that and they could say you know what i don't like that you know it was great it was <laughs> it was it was really neat and open and um and then to have hibbs there at the end i mean that was um i mean he's he's been so helpful for me i gave him a hug and i said i didn't know what to say because i know he was obviously um disappointed they didn't win and i just said i know this isn't the time but i just want to thank you for all that you've done you know for me and, and he was he was he was awesome he's, he's always been great great to me and um, the other day I called him for something else and he says, you know, you beat us last time. I'm starting to charge you. I'm going to start charging for this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's what's special about our profession. I really do. Um, you know, I think coaches are more willing now than ever to give of their time. Uh, you know, it's an honor when somebody asks you, you know, advice or asks you for help, that's a privilege and an honor. And, and you should take it as such. And I know Ryan, uh, has never held back anything. and I know he's helped you a bunch, which yeah. is great. But, again, what you, did, you guys did with Chris and what Chris did for you was an amazing story. There was one other moment that I know during the awards ceremony where you were very emotional. And I might get emotional here, too, because I remember when I won a national championship as a head coach in 2006, my dad was still alive, like your dad is still alive. But uh, my mom was not. So she wasn't there to to see it. And I always remember that was the one regret that she hadn't been able to, to see it. So that was a special moment for me to hear you talk about your mother with so much love in your in your voice. That was great.
1: Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, my my uh, I didn't I didn't think he was going to go there. I was ready for the team and I, I pretty much butchered that that whole uh, interview. But because um, I had my team, the team and, and and everyone else in mind and then he hit me with my dad and and then my mom popped into my head you know and it, it was it was really um it was emotional and it always will be my mom um passed away when i was just after college when i was 26 but she was um she was a glue of our family and and uh my dad my dad helped um me with golf but my mom she was the one that um I learned how to like, um, I don't know what, how to say this, but it, she would, she understood people better than anyone. You could have three minutes with her and you just feel like you guys are, I mean, she's looking right through, you know, like you guys are connected, you know, and she just, she was that way. And, and um, Um, we did a lot together. My dad was playing on the champions tour for six years when we were younger. So it was my mom and my dad, it was my mom and my sister. And I, you know, like that, us three, you know, my dad was gone. He'd be gone six weeks at a time. So, um, you know, it was hard. It was hard. And so, um, to, to, to kind of, she never saw me coaching, you know, like she just knew me as a player. So that, that kind of just hit me there that I know this whole time that she would love to do this. She would love to do this. And I know she would love to be a part of all the stories and all that kind of stuff. And to do this um, as a coach was something that I've always felt like that was possible, but then actually for it to actually happen happen and have my dad there and my sister there and my wife and kids, it all just kind of hit me. And then the fact that my mom, you know, um, was the one that really, I probably learned the most of out of anyone, um, I had this interview one one time, and I won't say what school it was, but the head AD it was a really big school, and the head AD called. He says, "Where'd you learn your, where where'd you, who's been the most impactful to you as a uh, in your coaching career?" And I told him, "My mom." <laughs> <laughs> Not something that he's gonna want to hear. He wants to hear some, you know, yeah, Mike Mike Holder and Mike McGraw, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they all know that guy, but I said my mom. I probably that's probably why I didn't get the job, but uh but anyway, I didn't really mean that. I really meant that, you know. This was my mom's the one. I mean, just the relational part is where I um kind of what I learned from her and and, and anyway, um tough she, she
0: was there at that uh, award ceremony. Yeah. She was there. So yeah.
1: Well, thanks That's for great. saying
0: that. You bet. Well, you know, um, your dad, I, I mentioned this to you earlier. Uh, your dad obviously was a really good player. And when I was taking up the game, he was one of the best players in the game. And I, I bought his book, uh, the book he wrote, uh, just kind of a diary of a year on the PGA Tour. And I still have that book. And then when he got on the Champions Tour, he wrote a book called Making the Turn. And you know as well as I do that the publisher messed up. And put the wrong dust jacket on there, put a picture of Tommy Aaron. Yeah. I actually have a copy of the incorrect dust jacket with Tommy Aaron (laughs)
1: instead of your
0: dad. (laughs) Get your dad to sign that for me. Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, that's funny. I do remember that.
0: Do you have a copy of the of the correct one or incorrect?
1: Uh I'm sure both somewhere. I think he's he's got it. My dad. I mean when i was younger we had these these things at the masters you'd go and you make an eagle and you get these little like goblets goblets steel. Yep. and i didn't know what they i didn't really know what they you know how cool they were but we just used them like to like drink out of and stuff and basically they would break and all of a sudden you know we get, went through all the goblets he made an eagle on every on every par five and um so we had these you know four of these deals and um he doesn't really even you know he doesn't have we don't have any any like memorabilia or even like that you know he probably like oh they screwed this thing up and, you know, like it, that, that doesn't mean much you're telling me much. you broke the goblets from the masters yeah yeah oh yeah i can't believe you did that. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well um I, i'm gonna do two things to finish on here i'm we're gonna do a speed round that i haven't prepared you for that okay. kind of kind of different, nothing major. We do a speed round occasion, but I do want to ask a couple of questions. What advice do you have for young coaches? You're still, you're only 41. You're still a fairly young head coach, but you're not like a 26 or seven year old kid. And there's a lot of young, great coaches in the business today. And you've said, as well as uh, you've told me, you know, a lot of coaches mentored you when you were just getting in and that type of thing. So it's like, what is the best piece of advice you'd give for a young coach that you think would probably help just about any young coach.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you'd hope that if you're coaching, you probably had some sort of um playing experience. Not all do, but you'd probably at some level they know the game. Um I I would I have two things. One is I I I would um be careful with what you read in a book, you know, like re- when you when you read how to be a coach, you know, don't <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: throw that out you know don't 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 be even don't even go down that road um i think that there's like instincts and intuition that you have maybe from a from a play from when you played or um or things that you learn from other coaches you know like there's going to be things that you like from um there's things that i like that that you do mike and there's things that i don't you know so i can pick and pick and choose from all these great coaches um and kind of formulate formulate kind of my own or our own kind of way of doing things and then match it up to what your instincts and intuition is and, and how you were or are as a player too so um to me that's how i would look at it i wouldn't necessarily look at one coach and say that you know they're successful and that's how that's how you got to do it you know i i don't think i don't believe in that you know i think that you you can learn from those people but you still have to have your own kind of gut instincts on certain things So. Um, don't be afraid to listen, but don't also be afraid to like, like you got to have your own filter. Like when you're a player and you get all these people that help you with your swings, you know, you got to be able to filter what you, you know, um, will work or not. One quick story with John Rom. I was with John Rom as a freshman and, um, he'd come up and say, coach, coach, I'm, I, I can't hit the ball. Give me something, give me something, you know? And I would tell him, well, um, I don't know. Slow your backswing down or something. No, nope, that's not going to work. Give me something else. You know, he knew like I'm only gonna I'm only gonna try what I know that's going to work under under the heat under the gun, and so be that way as a coach too. You know, you don't have to just just because someone tells you something isn't necessarily mean it's right or or just because they've had success isn't mean right it's right for you or the or the school that you're at. You know, I mean that's that's a whole nother thing. um But that but that's what I would do is try to find your place that you can be you at at um at that school and also just kind of have that intuition um and trust your trust that but the um you said there were two things yeah i know there was one other thing i was going to tell you and i got sidetracked uh that's all i got right now okay no that's that was actually great advice
0: i love that uh i've always believed in being authentic and probably the the most challenging thing for me when i took over from mike holder was to not try to be that icon that he was. I, I just had to be Mike McGraw. And I probably had a lot of his qualities or his mannerisms or whatever that, I, whether I knew it or not, I probably did, but I tried very consciously to be myself. And I yeah. tried to take the best things he did uh, and use them. And one of the best things he ever taught me was the power of confrontation. Uh, and it does not it's not always negative. Confrontation is just clearing the air, and he taught me about that. The air was always clear when I was around Mike. It was never—I never had to wonder. So I, I took that from him, and I've tried to do that as a coach: just be real and honest, and be upfront and forward with people. And this is what the way it is. So yeah. I agree with you completely. Take what you that you know will work for you.
1: I just remember my number two. Perfect. Um, and this is something that um, I probably should have learned from my wife, but I, but um, it took actually Chris Ambry uh, to really help me see it. And that is, um, you can work so hard at this, you know, you can spend, I mean, you can go all in, uh, which we have done and, and, um, maybe not get everything, not get as much out of it as you, as you'd hoped. But, um, I think that what, what Chris came on, Chris was at USC for what, 14 years. And then he, you know, um, then he wasn't coaching and then he came on to help us and he was at practice and he was, um and, and this a lot. And and so we got a lot of like really really nice um talks. And um he actually um told me this after the accident, after his uh his daughter had passed. Um he said, Michael, this is it's really awesome what you guys have done with this program. I mean, 95% of it is um is just Insane it's ridiculous how great i'm so happy for you, this is like there's a reason why you guys are really good you guys put so much into these guys, I mean. it's really cool but you got to be careful for that there's 5% of, of of it there that's maybe isn't so good, and that is like like you're you're. Uh, you are you are you are missing opportunities to be with your family, you know and there's there's times that you know, your boys may have a football game that you're gonna miss and you're and you're taking the guys on a trip on, the, on a weekend or something, you know, and it's great, you know, you're great with these guys and it's awesome, but like, don't forget your family too. And I think that was something um, as a coach, I never really, I just felt like I had a job to do um, as an assistant and even as a, as a head coach in getting the program to a certain level. And it was like, we're gonna do that. And you lose sight of that sometimes, um, and it just really hit me when Chris kind of because I respect him so much and he saw us now, like he saw us in the middle of it. It wasn't like you and I and we're recruiting and I see you for, you know, a day and we have dinner and that was and then, you know, I'll see you next week. And you know, like he was in the middle of it with us. And um, that's something that really hit me. It was right before regionals and it just kind of like, um, put it into perspective for me. And, and I don't know how that's not necessarily a young coach thing, but maybe a young head coach thing when you're having a family and you're doing all this stuff and you're fired up about your job and you're fired up about all the guys and getting better and all this kind of stuff. And it's really good. It's really good. I mean, it's really cool. And it's, but there's that, you know, that family part that my boys are nine and 11 right now, you know, and, and this is an awesome time for them and for us as a family. And, um, it just kind of hit me there that, you know, I need to make sure that, I'm being the best dad as the best dad I can be too, and the best husband. So that, those are the two things.
0: Yeah, that's incredible advice from from him, and great perspective. And so nine and eleven. Uh, when are you going to allow me to come in for from home recruiting home recruiting visits for those boys? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <laughs> that's not happening. Okay, all right. No. We'll move on.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, speed round. Let's get on to the speed round. You ready for this?
1: I don't know. What is the speed round?
0: Oh, it's just I'm going to ask some questions. You just give me the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. Got it? Ready? Here we go. There's only about 10 questions. All right. Chick-fil-A or Chipotle? Chick-fil-A. Okay. Shawshank Redemption or Remember the Titans?
1: Ooh. Gosh, those are both. uh, Remember the Titans.
0: Good answer. A favorite pastime with Clark and Graham? This is. It could be golf, but what is your favorite pastime with them?
1: thrown well thrown the well as a pat i've thrown the football in the in the yard is that one yeah Yeah, thrown the football uh one playing defense one playing offense and i'm the quarterback yeah that's that's probably my our most fun
0: can you throw a ball
1: can i throw a ball
0: i just asked the question it's okay get out of here here. when do i okay i already asked that question (laughs) wait
1: Wait, i didn't hear it what or fish what was the first Steak. steak, steak. Oh, oh, steak. Oh, steak. Yeah, absolutely, steak. Yeah.
0: I th- I don't know. You you look out at an ocean every day, and you don't want fish. What's wrong? Oh with you? man, steak. Favorite book. You what? Favorite
1: book. Oh, keep cutting out. Um. Uh, well, I just kind of read it recently. Inside Out Coaching. I think I was called Ooh. Inside Out.
0: Yeah. Joe Ehrman.
1: really good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, very good. Uh. What year did your dad lead the PGA Tour in money winnings? 1969. Beautiful. Dream foursome, you and three others, who are they going to be?
1: Doll. Well, my dad. Okay. If my mom was alive, I'd put my mom in there. Um,
0: yeah, that's a dream. I mean, yeah. Your mom can play in this group. Who else? Okay. All right. All right. He's a good guy to put in that group. Good player. Play the tour for a while did uh bet, last question best investment you've made under a hundred dollars in the game of golf
1: the question is that
0: stump you <laughs> well, hey, it's my assistant coach told me to add that question about seven podcasts Mikhail,
1: what is what is it uh
0: Mikhail, jump on here right now <laughs> Mikael, i don't know coach have you heard of a putting tutor maybe i don't know alignment oh,
1: I'm old, we're old school, uh, man. We don't do any, any of that stuff. You you <laughs> like to wash your clubs? Like what are a club brush? I don't know.
0: Okay. I mean, you you just attacked my assistant coach because he yeah. thought we had a great question. <laughs> and you're the first guy that hasn't answered it. Okay, no problem. <laughs> let's see. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. You, you were amazing. You gave really uh. a lot of good insight and wisdom. I appreciate that. And second of all, I want to congratulate you on an amazing accomplishment. You're a national championship coach. And honestly, it may happen 10 more times and it may never happen again, but it did happen. That's an amazing, amazing day uh, of golf. So congratulations for that. Thank and uh, I just look forward to getting on the road and seeing you out there recruiting.
1: Yep. Thank you, guys. enjoyed, enjoyed hanging with you.